0: Hi, Anushka here. In this series, I'd really like to take the opportunity to tell you a little bit about The Brilliant Breakfast, an initiative that I set up two years ago to help the Princess Trust support disadvantaged young women. It really can be as simple as putting the kettle on, inviting a few friends round, or hosting a breakfast for the team at work and asking everyone to give what they can to help change a girl's life. So that's The Brilliant Breakfast, starting October the 10th this year. And for more details, visit thebrilliantbreakfast.co.uk. Thank you. I'm Anoushka Dukas, and welcome back to My Life in Seven Charms. For me, there are so few things which can evoke a memory like a tiny, detailed charm. In this new series, I'll be meeting seven extraordinary women and hearing their stories through this very special 18 karat gold biography. Today's guest is one of my favourite florists, Nikki Tibbles. Being kind is probably the most
1: important thing in my world. You know, again it was something that my father taught me and he was an incredibly kind man and
0: you know I just I just wish the world was a kinder place. If you've ever received flowers from Nikki's business, Wild at Heart, they will have been strikingly lovely and superbly colourful. I'm so looking forward to hearing about Nikki's life in Seven Charms. Hello, hello. This is exciting. So, Nikki, thank you so much for coming to my lovely little house. Thank you so
1: much for having me. beautiful and i'm very honored to be here so
0: thank you one of the things i love a bit about what you do but is actually if i hadn't been a jewelry designer i'd want to be a florist would you? <laughs> yeah and my yeah. dream my Why? real dream i'm going to talk to you about that separately right. my real dream is to actually have a florist or something with my jewelry in it oh that would i be mean the, the two things together yes Wouldn't they be? That'd be great. Mm,
1: Yeah. Because the colours, the jewel colours of flowers Uh, and the pastels and the—I mean—it would just be such an extraordinary moment of colour and texture and
0: your passion. I mean, the two best things in the world: flowers and lovely jewellery. I just like. Yeah. And a dog. (laughs) And a dog. Oh, definitely, and a dog. I know. We'll talk about that. So, Nikki, your first charm. was you said, a multicolored heart. And I loved the fact that it's multicolored. and you were quite specific that it should be brightly colored. So I've seen this as a as a, a three-dimensional um, little heart, and I want to put it with kind of pave, set pink and orange sapphires. And I think we could have some rubies too. I yes. love I know you like all those clashing yeah. colours. I love colour, yes. Um, yes. So I've seen it as that. And left the back, in set in yellow gold and polished yellow gold. And I've left the back plain so that you might be able to engrave somebody's name or something special to you. And it also opens, it's a little locket, um, because I thought you could put a picture inside yes. it of... Whatever you chose. One of my dogs. (laughs) One of your dogs, whatever you chose. But um, tell me me about this heart. Why have you chosen a heart? Um, Why have I chosen a heart? I think it's
1: tied up with so many things in my life that are about being kind and wanting to make our world a better place. And if there was more love and kindness in our world, what a different place it would be. That is, is really, I guess, one of the most important aspects of how I try and live my life. But, you know, I, I, I don't really have um, a family. So my friends are my family. And that's my sort of element of the love I have for people. And, you know, I I have, as you know, a considerable amount of dogs and would have so many more. And the the love that you have for animals and this this planet is incredibly important to me. And that was really the sort of passion and that sort of true love that is so incredible to feel and to have and to want in our lives is really why
0: there's sort of element
1: of the The heart.
0: heart. And and, um, you don't have your own family now, but tell me a bit about your family growing up. I I had the most
1: incredible, I was very lucky to have two very wonderful parents, my father in particular, um, who I will be forever grateful for, because he is the person that taught me my love of, animals Um, he was a carpenter he made beautiful things Mm -hmm. and I would sit in his workshop watching him work and I remember the smells of the wood and the sawdust and all of those things and the amount of passion and love that he put into everything that he created has remained with me you know, if we found a bird with a broken wing or back in those days when there were stray dogs on the street, if I would come home regularly with a dog that I'd found or some animal that I had found somewhere.
0: Where are you? Where were you been, Where
1: have you brought up? I was in Bristol, just oh, okay. outside of ah. Bristol. And um yes, through him that he's taught me my, my passion for animals. We had a house full of animals that, you know, my father would just sort of, you know, lay down his life for. You know, my mother was long-suffering, sort of, oh, not another dog, not another cat. Oh, well, <laughs> no it wasn't no real. More rabbits, you know. I remember sort of finding the most beautiful German shepherd on the side of a motorway-type thing and running home to my father. We got a blanket and we picked this dog up between us and put it in the car took it to the vet and you know this beautiful dog had obviously been dumped on the side of the road um and uh she didn't live very long we called her wolfie but she didn't live very long but she had three very happy months with us after that but that's all thanks to my father for which I'm forever grateful and you know nature long long walks my father taught me, you know, we'd go for amazing long walks in the countryside and so with that and his sort of passion for making things and his kindness and and also um, he, he died quite some time ago now. He had pancreatic cancer and when he passed away, my mother asked me what I wanted of his. And when he was during the war, he was a prisoner of war, and he wrote the most beautiful letters to my mother. Um, And that's what I asked for as a gift because his love letters to my mother were so beautiful with the most beautiful handwriting. People don't write like he wrote. And the way he expressed his love and depths of emotions for my my mum, my mother. Um, And and really interesting moment also is that back then, you know, my father was a prisoner of war, so presumed missing in action. And so my mother was presented with a postal order and uh, his tag or whatever it was. And she sent it back saying, he's not dead. I know he's still alive yeah and then of course they found him in a prisoner of war camp in Germany and that's when he started writing but oh she God, he God knew he, he was still with her
0: they met when they were 16 God, that's So romantic. until they Isn't both passed amazing. away and would you say that your childhood was was a happy one? It Sounds like you spent lovely times with your with your father, particularly.
1: Um, did I have a happy childhood? Yes. I mean, I consider you know having a father like mine and an understanding mother who she was slightly trickier, and that sort of black is white, and you know there was there was no uh, swaying or movement from whatever it was that she thought, um, but. Um, I was very lucky, yes, because I did a lot of sport and I was encouraged to do that. Mm-hmm. And my 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 parents, you know, they met when they were sixteen yes. and they walked down the street hand in hand until they, you know, my father died and my mother died not long after, of a, probably of a broken heart. But I think just going back to the heart is sort of my parents were truly in love. Yeah, and they it sounds and, so wonderfully romantic. You know, they didn't do anything apart. And I always, rather naively, thought that there would always be this one person out there in the world that I would spend the rest of my life with. And, uh, but um, that's uh, sadly not happened uh,
0: yet. That's well, quite a high bar. I mean, that is a very high bar. To, I know. To, it to is. you know, I mean, and
1: I think, I guess, in the bigger picture, again, I feel very blessed because I know so many people who marriages are clearly not worked and that it's children that, that that suffer
0: and so yes I know I had a happy childhood thank you yeah, yeah. No, no, that sounds wonderful yes. but, it, but it's you know have, having come from such an unbelievably loving family I feel you're never going to be able to replicate something so precious yes yeah, it was yeah. precious so yeah. my, my father he
1: called me Nix um, he said Nix you can be anything that you want You can do anything that you want. And to have someone who has that much faith in you or to have that ingrained in you, I sort of do believe it. And if I do something, then, you know, I want to do my absolute best at everything and anything I
0: do. Your second charm is your favourite flower. And you said... I'd like it to be a coral peony. Yes. So we'd have to do it in kind of really pale, orangey sapphires, I yes, think. Yes, orangey. Fading colors. out. So yeah. we'd kind of colour grade it into kind of perhaps yellow diamonds, yes. which might be really pretty. That would sound very pretty. Again, kind of yeah. um, three-dimensional mm-hmm. set in yellow gold with a yellow gold textured leaves, same shape as the peony. So it's yeah. as perfect a miniature of a of a that giant peony yes. as we could get. Well, they, they, this and this peony in
1: particular. I mean, the reason why I love it so much is that it's completely different when it's sort of freshly cut, but as it sort of grows, it opens and it it is gigantic. It's almost saucer like. It mm. could fill a dinner plate, but it's so beautiful as it fades. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it. Okay, so, I'm gonna to have to look it up. And as it gets older, it
0: gets more beautiful. That's what we should say about ourselves. <laughs> well, <yes. laughs> I'm getting say. more beautiful as I get I like older. Yeah. Let's go with I that. let <laughs> go with that. <laughs> yeah. <shut> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I assume that you've chosen this because, obviously, this is your world. Flowers are mm-hmm. your world. Now. I'm longing to know what, how you started Wild at Heart. I've got lots and lots of questions, actually, about right. Wild at Heart. But tell me how you started and how it ever came to begin. Um,
1: it, it started sort of quite randomly because I was working in advertising. Um, Who was that for? I was working at, I worked for various companies, Saatchi's, um, Porter Bell, uh, Davidson Pierce. I oh, right, lots, um, yeah. So that was my sort of career, so to speak um but I really wasn't very good at it right. and I really didn't enjoy it and Were I on the creative side of, of no, that or, yeah. no I was a, an account manager but when I left university my parents wanted me to be a teacher I wanted to go to art school and they wouldn't let me um so yeah thanks for that yeah. um my lovely parents I've been just talking about but really I wanted to do something creative so I sort of started working in advertising and hated every second but I met some amazing people and I was asked because I was sort of interested in fashion and buildings and architecture and art and so many different things and colour and anything really um I, I sort of was a friend of mine and said, Well would you would you help me organise my wedding and do the flowers? And I was like, Yeah, of course I'd love to. Having no idea, I sort of trotted off to the flower market and um didn't even know I had to cut the flowers yeah. at that point <laughs> before I put them in, in a, an arrangement. Anyway, I sort of really loved that moment and then I did another friend's wedding and um, I managed to leave my career heady, (laughs) not so heady, (laughs) Korean advertising. And uh, I went to work in a flower shop in the Fulham Palace Road, I think. Um, And I learned about flowers because no florist at that point would take me because I had no experience. And I worked there for a little while and then I left and set up on my own and I contacted people that I'd used to work for, that I knew and I started doing flowers and I had a little studio in Southwark. And then, of course, the island, Turquoise Island, the famous Piers Gough building, became... In Notting
0: Hill. In mm-hmm. uh, became available. Not everyone might know about this, Turquoise Island. Right. Okay. So it, it was designed as a loo?
1: It was designed as a as a public loo, yes. The whole thing? The whole thing. But okay. the front of it was always going to be a flower kiosk, Right. they called it, because right. it's run by the Portobello stall holders association yeah. or whatever of kensington and chelsea so this is when my um heady days of advertising came in useful so i did this incredible proposal mood boards you know all the sort of thing i used to do when i was working in advertising um, and at 6 30 the following morning i got a phone call saying would i like to come in for an interview and they had something like 76 applications or something for it anyway i walked away with the keys And I opened the following week and that's really how it all started. But how'd you been looking or was it just kind of one of those things? Just One of those things. And it just it just happened. And I had this incredible building and and, you know, Notting Hill was sort of amazing people. I mean, I remember Bernadette Rendell, who was the head of PR for Chanel, would come in and buy flowers and send to to Hamish Bowles, for example. And mm-hmm. Rifa Osbeck lived around the corner. And, you know, there were wonderful people in Notting Hill then, sort of 20 plus years ago. Yeah. And so I opened and I'd never run a business before and certainly didn't really know that much about flowers. But, you know, I guess I sort of... I'm the sort of person that you know I wear what I like I don't really care what anyone else thinks I'll put a pattern with a pattern and a stripe with a spot and a colour and whatever (laughs) and I do did the same with flowers you know I put together the things I like and really it's sort of the business has grown from there.
0: So that's quite brave to go and do that, to take on the lease, to do something effectively you'd never run a business before. I mean, it was pretty brave. Did you think it was brave or did you just think, it, no, I'm just going to No, I just,
1: it. I, I, I sort of, and maybe this goes back to the moment I was talking about my father, it's like I would never think anything would fail, so nothing would ever stop me from doing anything. And also, I guess I was so happy because I'd found my creative outlet and through that I've met the most extraordinary people, worked on the most extraordinary events, seen the most beautiful buildings, created extraordinary moments where people are so happy and you know the sort of philosophy behind Wild at Heart is really this sort of sense of generosity through flowers that again is sort of something that's so important to me and that all ties back into the sort of, you know, the be kind and giving and all of those those sort of things that, you know, I I want people to open a bouquet or or to receive a bouquet of flowers from us that is like, (gasps) takes your breath away through its sense of generosity rather than, you know, something that's going to
0: sort of last for three weeks and... That's why I think flowers and jewellery are so... Along the same yes. thing, because when I'm creating a piece of jewellery, I just want that jewellery to make the person smile. Yeah. So your reaction, with, you know, it didn't make it made you cry, but yes, I knew I that was a really I happy cried, kind yes. of, you know, I so, <laughs> so beautiful. get that. Yeah. But wild at heart, just just that name how did you come up with well
1: that? interestingly I was actually sitting in my apartment at the time in Notting Hill and thinking of starting my own business and it was like back in the day when you had magazines <laughs> so I went through magazine after magazine and tear, tear sheets and tore out pages of images and words and things that I loved and it kept coming back to Ward at Heart and the dagger for the movie and the heart um because i also have a massive love of tattoos and the history of them and all those things and and (laughs) and that that was really that image and those three words and i always used to say um when i thought of a name for companies i would sort of pick up the phone and say hello wild at heart and that sort of had quite a nice ring to it and so um that was really wild at heart and it was something very different because every other florist at the time was their name. You know, sort of Stephen Woodham and Jane Packer, Paula Pryke, you know, but they all had their, their Constance spry, you yeah. know, Moisey Stevens, They all had their name. So I didn't want to have my name. I wanted
0: words that meant something that would... Be memorable, and all those people that you just mentioned. Because I was going to ask you this actually, in terms of what you were doing with the colours and you know putting things together that you love, that perhaps weren't obvious. Were they doing that too? Was this a very particular Nicky thing? Um, I think
1: Jane Packer was probably one of the first to do something quite different, yeah. Yeah. and and also Paula Pryke and and Stephen Williams too. I think I mean that John Carter. They there were. Lots and Julia Hodgkin, Howard Hodgkin's wife, yes, she had the beautiful flower shop outside the Conrad shop, you know, with the old her. van that yeah. was Julia's. Design, yeah. Um, so there, there were people making beautiful flowers, but I mean, I was never trained to do to put flowers together, yeah. so I think in a way that's why maybe we were a little bit different and we were wrapping things in brown paper with sort of you know raffia and that was a, no one else had had done that but yeah. it was really me doing what i like which is really yeah. i think the best thing to do i mean if someone asked me to do an event with red and white carnations um you're asking the wrong, the wrong person, person. <laughs> yeah. um so it was just the perfect opportunity for me to work with something that you know is so so beautiful nature is so inspiring So I never get bored. You know, I'm never bored. So it's the perfect, perfect thing for me. No, no, I so so
0: get that. But, God, it's quite a competitive world it's become. And I know so many young florists now. Mm. So what would be your advice to them? Because, I I mean, I'm just like, God, how do you differentiate yourself? How do you stay ahead of the next young ones coming up?
1: Um, There are a lot. There are a lot Mm.
0: of florists around now.
1: And that's great because I think we or the older generation of people who do flowers should be encouraging a younger generation to do something creative and inspiring. And so, you know, I I think it's great that there are a lot of, there are a lot of amazing young, talented florists out there. So, yes, I mean, it actually makes me happy and a lot of them have worked with Wild at Heart. Yeah, I'm sure they have. You know, I'm very proud of the girls that have, gone off and set up their own business and are doing well
0: and but know, does that keep... mean that you have to keep evolving your business in order yes. to
1: yeah but we should anyway completely, i mean yeah. re- regardless i mean we in lockdown we completely rebranded we're focusing a lot more on our online business um we're lucky enough that we have an amazing client list that come back to us time after time for yeah. events and parties and and so on so But we do have to keep working very hard because it is very competitive, and people do undercut us in price because, you know, obviously we are slightly more expensive than the your average florist, and we have overheads. So, and of course, with the current climate and Brexit, costs have climbed considerably for flowers and transport and yeah, no, I wanted to
0: ask you about that.
1: And the prices have shot up because of Brexit. Yes, about thirty percent.
0: Have they really? Yes, yeah. just it with the tr- costs of transport and mm. so yeah. on. More challenges. More challenges. I mean, it's full of challenges. Yes. God, that's so, anyway, I could talk to you about that forever. We might have to do that. Yes, we should,
1: We should just make flowers together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Um, but your next, um, your next charm, your third charm. I love the fact you said you were really particular. Two D tiled style home. You yes. said. Um, and I, you can see what I've drawn and I just love it's, the th- fact it's
1: exactly what, what I, it was, it was so for me that house, was kind of blue head, peter yes. type thing yes.
0: <laughs> um, yes I've made it in 18 carat gold so it's flat Yeah. Um, it's got a diamond just the edge of the roof is diamond pavé and then the, the four windows and the door are engraved and yeah. I thought we'd leave the back plain it's got a little yes. chimney as you can see yes um so also it looks in like gold. It's
1: been snowed upon. It yes, does. a dusting yeah. of snow. It's All beautiful. Right.
0: I'm assuming that you've t- you've chosen this charm because home is so important to you.
1: Yes. My home has always been so important to me and I don't move around. I like to stay where I am. So Nesta. I am I yeah. am indeed and um I'm at my happiest when I'm at home with my dogs or my friends. And I, you know, I like my home to be the sort of very essence of me and how I like to live. And I think if home is that safe place for when you feel that all the world around you is maybe crumbling or something's happened in a relationship or work or anything. Home is that safe space, that safe place that makes you think everything is going to be okay. So what kind of style is your home? Well, my, my home in London is, it's full of colour and pattern. And I have a, a sort of rooms that I change for the season so my the sort of on the the ground floor of my home that where I have a big tv which is I've never had a big tv until I wanted to watch the final episode of, of Game of Thrones <laughs> but I have this beautiful wallpaper in this tv room uh, which was made by an amazing woman called Ellie Cashman and it was her first print and it's this big blousy peonies and roses and it's very dark and moody and she also made some fabric for me which so beautiful velvet curtains um and there's a dartboard in there so I can play dance in front of the fire yeah, and all that sort of thing and watch tv and then the other end of the room where there's a terrace there's linen curtains with the same fabric but it's painted in a pale green one of the colours
0: match from the wallpaper. Oh, um so same same pattern but different fabric, so uh, different texture. Velvet and same linen. Clever. Yeah. Lovely. Um I never have
1: overhead lights because I like to switch on lamps. Mm-hmm. Um I have a real fire because the first thing I do when I get home is light my fire and switch on my lamps. And I have a beautiful old marble table where I work with the terrace so I can open the doors and look at my garden filled with jasmine and wisteria because i love nature and i like to spend as much time as i possibly can outside every floor of my home has an has a moment where i can be outside mm-hmm. and that was really important to me so when i renovated the basement the the wall at the back of the house is all glass and it folds into nothing and the floor is exactly the same
0: from inside
1: inside out out. yes and I can be in my garden and cook and have friends for dinner and
0: it sounds absolutely awesome and and and, um because I know you have another home we'll have another home um yes, in the country shortly <laughs> uh, shortly uh, is that very different is that
1: a very different style it, it is it is yes i mean it's still full of color in london it's slightly more uh i mean i have a marble kitchen and a marble bathroom and yeah. Uh, my bedroom is in Dior grey and white and super It's Yes, very which calming, is very yeah. lovely. And yeah. I have beautiful lamps and and so on. In the kit in the country, it's it's a sort of mix of everything. And I have a lot more things in the country, whereas London is clean, neater living mm-hmm. and slightly cleaner. Whereas the country, I have you know. St- Stacks and piles of books and shelves full of. I collect Constance Fry, the beautiful vases that she made, the Fulhamware pottery. Beautiful, you know. And there are there are walls of those and amazing textures and rugs everywhere. But I sort of expose all the floorboards and beams in the ceilings and so kind of t- a bit, a bit shabby, bit kind shabby, of. yes. Yeah. But not, but not. Yeah. But yeah. I'm sort Carefully, of Shabby. Quite sort of, <laughs> everything has to be in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sort of like thing of everything, having a place and having a reason for being. So um, it's very different, but it's also still very colourful. And um, But home is, my, my home is, yeah, it's, I think, the cornerstone of, of our lives in a way. I mean, you sort of, you know, my friends and i talk about this and that you know if you've got your home and a relationship and your work life and you know the triangle of the things in our lives that are so important if one of those falls like your home or something then it's much harder i think to keep the other elements of your life yeah working working yeah so that's why for me having always having my home is so important
0: your next charm which i think it's number four it's obviously got to be a dog you said it's got to be a mutt like yes. dog outline <laughs> which hopefully you said captures lenny or rita from the photo so i i, I think it could capture i you you have captured <laughs>
1: lenny and or rita perfectly because they are sort of of the same mold lenny is a Sort of giant 65 kilo mastine, and Rita is a miniature version of Lenny because she's a little thug. She's actually a sort of staffy cross something. I've no idea. She was, I found her when she was 10 days old in Puerto Rico, and um, she is the most extraordinary looking dog I have ever come across. And I often say she has a face only a mother could love, but <laughs> she is the funniest and happiest and most exuberant dog I have ever ever had Mm. and Lenny is now 14 and I've had him since he was uh, 18 months old because he was thrown down a well when he was six months old and left to die and Mm. he at the I mean I he's 14 and he's 65 kilos so wow Yes, going strong. He is still going strong, and you know, most mornings I wake up and the first thing I do is check that he's still <laughs> he's still breathing because, you know, I, my vet said you know he would have a life expectancy of seven yeah, to nine I mean, he's doing years, amazing. and he's fourteen. God.
0: Yeah. I've got yeah. a Lenny. But mine's yes. tiny. Yours mine's a French dog. Uh, it's, very, it's a great very name, different. isn't yeah. it? Why it's did like, you
1: call yours, your dog Lenny?
0: Well, My children, well, I've got two. One's called Len. They really want to call him Len. So yeah. I've got Lenny and Stanley. So they're Len right. and Stan.
1: Len and Stan. Because well, French bulldog's a bit kind of, you know. Yeah. Proper good name. <laughs> proper good name, Yes, yeah. my, I, my dogs, I have a, a Lenny, Ronnie, Rita and a
0: Ruby. So I like a good Jewish name for my dogs. But I didn't describe the charm for those people that are listening listening. so it is I've literally drawn it almost like it could be the kind of a dog tag so you might put it on a collar but it's just a flat outline of quite a big dog it's got it's in yellow gold it's got a little brown diamond collar and because I wanted something hanging off it I put a tiny pearl off it but it could actually be anything um and then the alternative you'll see is I did a dog paw because um i love bit like you i've never met anyone else that likes the smell of their dog's feet I, I, <laughs> so I, I was so I, chuffed when i heard that you really uh, like your tell I, me what it is you like about the dog's well feet. it's just
1: again i guess there's a lot of things here that are sort of rather comforting for me the smell of i mean i love the smell of my dogs uh I never bath my dogs actually, which most people find extraordinary, but my dogs have never had a bath in their life. Um, and they don't smell, but they just smell they have that lovely soft I can't really describe the smell. It's just a soft, warm, homely smell. Nice. So I will sit, I mean and my dogs <laughs> do sleep with me and they sleep on my bed or if I'm on the, the if I'm sitting here on your sofa, I would have three dogs next to me mm. and you know I'm I, a- I I literally hold their paws and I regularly sniff between their toes, yeah, I'm afraid. I,
0: I'm, yes. I, I, I really do get that. Yep. But I have to be a bit quiet about that because yes. my children know that, but they think I'm a bit weird. Yes. <laughs> uh, trust me, it's not weird. It's a really
1: wonderful thing. So and if anyone listening here, get sniffing your dog's toes. Yes, exactly.
0: It's just a It's a delight. <laughs> so just on... on from Because you've obviously you know, passionate about dogs. But yes. are there any rules for the dogs?
1: In my house, no. No? No, no, no rules. No, no. They, can,
0: they, no. they can do whatever.
1: They can do whatever they want, yeah. They, go, they can sleep on any sofa, rugs, chair, <laughs> armchair, bed. They literally, <laughs> there are no rules. And are As they long... trained? Um, they have to be trained to a certain extent because they need to be safe. I want them to be safe other people so yes they're they're trained to a certain extent of yeah. course but i mean i'm not the sort of person that wants their dog to sit in a field and will stay there until i whistle for it to come i'm not that's not but uh, they'll
0: come if you call oh yeah yeah yeah. no they, mine they, won't we, come if they're cool so uh, they won't oh no mine <laughs> do come hopeless. if
1: they we go for a walk and i call they right. will come back unless of course there's a herd of deer that yeah. is
0: you
1: know <laughs> but no they're, they're pretty good but because i have big dogs I also have to make sure that they are safe and introducing them to new people I I do properly and you know it's sort of because people can be a little bit more wary of bigger dogs um well especially rescue dogs I guess well you know I talk to people obviously a lot about rescue dogs And a lot of people say, well, they're damaged. Well, they're no more damaged than you and I or any pedigree dog that you will buy. I mean, it's us that make them damaged. So, you know, it's that nurture over nature argument, I guess. But I mean, of course, some rescue dogs, if they've been really, really badly treated, will be more wary of men or certain situations. But there's nothing that, you know, If we all the things that we've talked about, about feeling safe, about having routine about love being loved and you know that that's what we all need and and crave. desire and crave yes and that's no different in my opinion for a dog you know it's what you give our your you know I don't have children but if I did have children you know I'd like to think that they would fare better knowing that they are loved knowing that they're safe knowing that they have routine and 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 that's really how I deal with with my dogs. I mean, it's but no you, different.
0: No, I I I understand that as soon as you they've come into your home, etc. Mm. But you said, gosh, one of them had been thrown down a well. Yes. So presumably, the trust element for that poor dog had totally gone with any human that might have. Um, well, I mean, I I
1: tend to have all the dogs that nobody else wants. Right. I, mean, I, I did have six pre-lockdown, six big dogs, but very sadly, two passed away in lockdown. So I'm I'm down to four. Normally, of course, when I travel for in my charity for the foundation, everyone will say to me, Nick, please don't come home with another dog. But I'm like, okay, no, of course I won't. And then I get handed a 10-day-old ten, ten puppy or a dog that's about to be euthanized. And so, of course, i bring come home with dogs but you know the, the, all my dogs have suffered a, a trauma smith who did pass away i mean he'd been locked in a cage for three years with a broken jaw shattered eardrum and shattered ribs oh um oh. and i mean he, he was unrecognizable from the moment i saw him to you know when he 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 very sadly passed away um he was probably the most traumatized of all my dogs but i mean i i, I I do believe with patience and love, we can turn anything around. And that goes for, for any rescue dog. Some takes longer. I mean, we rescue dogs from the meat trade and they are quite abused and, and um, traumatised. So that takes a little bit longer. But, you know, it's like, like I say, people, you know, if someone has love and patience and
0: understanding and routine, then, you know, we all flourish. That actually brings us on quite neatly to your next charm, which is the globe. So I I've, I've seen it as a um, a globe made of lapis lazuli, which is lovely wow. blue stone, yeah. um, with the the metal. We'd probably make it in white gold and then put a green rhodium, which is extraordinary, kind of rhodium plating over yes. it now for the landmass. And it'll be on an axis and it will spin super fast. Wow. But um, I think I'm right in in saying that this is to symbolise the kind of global reach of of, wild, of the Wild at Heart Foundation.
1: Yes. I mean, it's it sort of, um, you know, we, we've talked about my 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 father and growing up with animals and obviously my my love of dogs and the the globe i guess is I, I i have this overwhelming desire to make the world a better place and um that is why i i set up the foundation wild at heart foundation um About four or five years ago, my business was, I'm very lucky, it was doing reasonably well. And I've always wanted to give back. And I would go on holiday and see the plight of stray dogs in India and Sri Lanka and wherever I went to Puerto Rico. um, And to the extent where I had to stop traveling because I would spend my entire holiday feeding dogs taking them to the vets talking to people and um, so on and one holiday um, I booked what I thought was a trip to Costa Rica but I for some reason ended up in Puerto Puerto Rico Um, and I remember getting off the plane and getting into the car going to the hotel and thinking where's the canopy of (laughs) the jungle and the thing I was like Oh, my God, I'm in the wrong country. Anyway, (laughs) what actually happened probably was one of the best things that could ever have happened to me in my life. I spent three weeks in Puerto Rico, and I spent three weeks traveling the island and feeding dogs on the streets, and I found two little puppies on the side of the road that I fed and said to my then-husband, I can't leave them, and he said, Nick, if they're here in the morning, we'll come and pick them up. And, of course, they were there in the morning because they lived next to the burger van. And so I took these two dogs back to the hotel, smuggled them into the hotel. And so we took them to the vet. Lily named them Rose and Lily. And Lily had to have her eye removed. She would have died from bug poisoning. Um, But, of course, we were trying to find them a home. And I had offered to pay for them for the rest of their lives. So if they needed any veterinary care and food, so whatever anyone adopted them of course nobody wants a stray dog in puerto rico because you can just go and pick one up off the highway um so i had managed to catch get dengue fever by taking these dogs to the beach next to a tire dump Um, so spent a bit of time in hospital when i got back from puerto rico and i was reading an article in a Vogue or Tatler or something about this woman, amazing woman called June Hamilton, who was responsible for the abolition of quarantine. Um, And she had this sort of charity called the Quarantine Abolition Fighting Fund, QOF, something like that. And I called her and I said, I've got two dogs in Puerto Rico. How do I get them here without putting them in quarantine? And there'd been no incidents of rabies in Puerto Rico for 30 years. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I decided that I would fly these dogs from San Juan to LA and then into Paris and I would smuggle them into the Channel Tunnel, uh, which is what I did. And the uh, dogs were fully vaccinated and health checked and everything that they needed to have done. But I mean, I do remember walking around Paris with them sort of because they came up out of the thing on the conveyor belt in their crates and literally they were... So moth-eaten. They reminded me of, like, you know, we used to see old men sitting outside a pub yes. with a sort of dog, that, the yes. type of dog you used to get from Battersea Dogs' home. Yeah. They looked like that. Right. So, um, anyway, very sadly, Lily died. Uh, she had leukemia. But Rose lived for uh, another 12 or 13 years. And when she passed away, I promised her I would get another rescue dog from abroad. And so that was really how the foundation started. And when you Google rescue dogs from abroad, it's unleashing the gates of hell. And you see things you can't unsee. And this is why the globe, because the foundation I wanted, I, I, I realized that there are or found out, there are 600 million plus stray dogs in the world. I haven't added an extra zero impact. It's uh, 600 million stray dogs, and that number is climbing. Uh, From one litter of puppies, there will be 67,000 dogs on the street within six years. And with COVID, of course, with more dogs being abandoned and um, people not being able to afford or take care of their dogs anymore, there are even more dogs on the streets. I decided that I wanted to set up this charity and to give back and to make our world a better place. And, that, and I'm stressing the global element because, you know, we're so lucky in this country that, you know, we treat our dogs so well. I can't remember again the last time we saw a stray dog. The only problems we have really in this country with abject levels of cruelty are probably dog fighting. Um, Because we're we're sort of educated as to how to treat our dog, to have them sterilised. We don't let our dogs roam. You know, they're pets as opposed to something that's owned. Yes. Um, Whereas in most countries uh, across the globe, animals, dogs in particular, are treated, they have zero rights. And in countries where there are less than any human rights, you can imagine there are less than zero rights for an animal. For example, for an animal... You know, there's there's no point in keeping a dog and feeding it if it's no use to you for, for six months a year. Have a long, and you can get another one, and then you know you'll keep it and dispose of it.
0: I, I'm absolutely flummoxed. Actually, I had no idea that people yes you treat their dogs. I'm no just idea. Like, wow, that's just it's so extraordinary. I had
1: no idea until you know it's a little bit like you know when you start to look into things. Um, that you can't unsee. Yeah. And and I do make myself see things. And I, you know, I have been to shelters, the most horrific dog pounds and shelters. And I make myself go because I need to see what's happening so yeah. I can talk about it with conviction. Yeah, But to get to the root of the problem, it's all about sterilization and education. And... Manolo Blahnik has sponsored an education programme for us, which we trialled this summer, which was launched this September in 250 primary schools. It's called the Be Kind Curriculum, and it's teaching kindness, empathy, compassion and understanding. That's and fantastic. anyone can sign up. It's completely free. And I sort of think it's it's relevant, particularly right now after COVID and children having had their lives so disrupted yeah. over the last 18 months. And, I, you know, I, I grew up with, with dogs and you have had dogs, obviously, all, all your life. And I think having a dog teaches us so much about how to love, how to be responsible, about loss, about friendship, about being physical. You know, we've lost those elements yeah. of, of yeah. communication. And so this, this Be Kind program is teaching that, but it's it's also teaching children to be able to talk about their emotions and how they feel. And it's all based around sort of working with an animal and, and being close to a dog and having a dog in their life. Cool. And then obviously the other important aspect of the work that we do with every shelter that we work with, again, across the globe, from Thailand to Borneo to India, Lebanon, um, throughout Europe... Uh, Mexico, we have a shelter we've just opened in Mexico um, uh, that, um, and of course Puerto Rico very important um, is that we run sterilisation clinics so,
0: Which is getting to the nub of the problem yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely That's the only way Your sixth charm is a dark green pine tree. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I love the idea of doing this. I just love the idea of doing this. I would like it to be articulated. So you can see I've put um, emeralds down the spine. So I don't want to make the whole thing green. But the shape is, it's it's absolutely three-dimensional. But each of those branches will move just slightly. Wow. Um, But... More importantly, why <laughs> specifically a pine tree? It's going
1: to be my next tattoo. Oh my God. Um, it's quite personal, this interview, isn't it? With my smelling my dog's toes. and um, So. Uh, Am I
0: allowed to ask where this tattoo is going to be? It's
1: going up my spine.
0: What, the whole of your spine?
1: Well, not the whole, whole of my spine. No, but it won't be. Okay. I mean, it'll be a medium size, not hugely
0: size. Well, just so that you know, Nikki is kind of giving me sort of like, like a yeah, big 12, tattoo 15, it's,
1: <laughs> yes I, I i have a few tattoos um i'm sure one of which we'll come on to in a in a second but um it, it was like i was never allowed to have my ears pierced my parents literally i couldn't have my ears pierced until you also ignored that you know, well, well <laughs> I, I can now because obviously my mother wouldn't be upset but i'm sure she probably is looking down thinking oh my god she's got 40 ears Piercing scenario. Is that what you've got? Uh, I trying 40. I to work it out, actually. Yes. 40. Oh. 40, yes. um you I think a few you have dropped out. I think you need I, to come and see I me. um you need okay, to come. Yeah, and see you really do. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and the tattoo thing actually goes back to the dog moment, and I have all my dogs' names tattooed on me. And um to me, a pine tree, it's nature, which I love, yeah. and it represents something that is very strong and very capable, and I sort of love the idea
0: of having that somewhere on my body that represents strength. Oh, that's, that's, that's so interesting. I have no tattoos, terrified of having a tattoo, and also, really, I would I, I have to, so crass if you love tattoos, but for me, I'm like, what am I going to look like when I'm 80? Or don't you care?
1: I don't really care because I think
0: they, they fade. It's like we're talking they about fade. flowers fade. They fade.
1: They don't fade. just sag. They don't. <laughs> well, I, hope, I hope I'm not going to be sort of sagging at 80. I mean, I'll try and do my very best <laughs> <laughs> to not be. But, um, I mean, where they are, I mean, I think as you get older, yes. It's, but, but no one can see my... Tattoos, so it's not like they're going to on their their on show. I don't have anything on my arms that yeah. people can see, or my legs, or anything like that. Where you're, you know, it's it's a
0: personal thing. Just tell me for somebody who, I, I mean, I would never. I always said to my children, "Don't you dare have a tattoo." Oh no, for <laughs> so my parents, big, also big yes. danger because yeah. obviously they're probably all dying to have tattoos yeah. now. But but what is it about the tattoo? What is it that you love about the tattoo?
1: Um. I guess we all, st- well, I strive, and I think a lot of people, we strive to be individuals and to be different. And, you know, I I, I don't want to be different for different's sake. Yeah. But, and everything in my life has to have a meaning and has to have a reason for being. You know, I just don't want to get a tattoo because it's popular yeah. or I don't want have, you know, 20 piercings in my ear because it's popular. I mean, it's just how I want It just something I wanted to do and the tattoos I guess really started because of my dogs passing away and that was a perfect reason for me to start that um and and it's personal and I think that's sort of I guess really it's something that I that I can sort of you know identify with and it's different and no one else really has to be aware of it and um that's a yeah. really good answer.
0: I, I just, it's, you know, I have to ask because I, it's so far off my... Yes, well... <laughs> so it's so interesting to I'd hear. But al- I'd always wanted one. You had. Yeah, always, so it's kind of, yes. Just couldn't do it. But hand. I
1: just couldn't do it. I, you know, I just didn't. It's
0: its a recent thing. Yeah. So your last charm is a version of your Be Kind tattoo. yes. So, again, you were really particular about this because you said it's a vegan indigo blue tattoo. Yes. Um, on your inner wrist, which I probably can yeah. see. It's rather lovely. So, I mean, the way I've done it is because um, I have a little bit of an idea why you've chosen this. And so I've done it as a locket. It's absolutely perfect. And it would be. As um, are they all. No. Oh, and it would be in blue. I think we would do it in that kind of blue enamel. Yes. Um, and as you can see, it's a it's a yellow gold locket, and it just slides neatly so that you could look, put a little picture inside. Um, but can you can you just tell me about this be kind tattoo? So you talked a little bit about it. earlier. Yes.
1: I mean, I, I mean, I guess it it sort of, in a way, hopefully, there is a bit of a pattern throughout these these charms. Love and things that come from your heart are so incredibly important. And being kind is probably the most important thing in my world. But it's, it's something I really do try and live my life by. Um, the, the most important thing is it can change somebody's day it costs us nothing and in a world where everyone is so absorbed with themselves and financial gain and and completely, totally on a screen, you know, you can't walk down a street without people being on their phones mm. and people don't look up, people don't say thank you, people don't appreciate what other people do. There's no sense of joy in life certainly in in so many ways and yet just by being kind to someone can change someone's life change something change anything
0: you're so right
1: and you know again it was something that my father taught me and he was an incredibly kind man and you know I just I just wish the world was a kinder place and that comes back to our globe and making, wanting to make the world a a better place and kindness to, you know, to, to people, to each other, to teach children to be kind, which is part of, you know, what was for me such an important and landmark moment in my life when... We launched this curriculum because I always said if I could have a be kind curriculum a program on our curriculum, I would die a very happy person. So it's such a such strong. A, it, it, it's interesting
0: to come back to that now. I know what this charm means, but um, to have that in primary schools and for, for to teach children early on and it be called that is so strong. And so yep. simple, Yes, so, so simple. totally simple. So simple. But I love the idea of those children going home and saying, "I've done my." I had the be kind yes. talk today. That's like ingrained, like yep. it is on your arm.
1: It is on my arm. Yes. Yeah. And if we, we, uh, we teach one child, we reach five, six, seven, eight adults. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, don't, I hope. I hope. I feel like the next generation are kinder than our generation. My children's generation. Yeah. Age, kind of, you know, twenties in their twenties, they seem to be care about the world a lot more than definitely. Yes,
1: I I think so, I, and you know, I, the the sort of you know, the, there's much more consideration about what we eat. You know, the sort of you know, the the rise of vegetarian, veganism, plant-based, you know, however, however, whatever word makes people happy about not eating meat, you know, plant-based seems to sort of, you know, resonate better with people than being vegan. But, um, you know, people do care more about where their food comes from and what they put in their bodies and, and what they eat and what that animal goes through for them to Enable them to have that bacon sandwich or whatever. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean,
0: and, and climate and the yes. whole kind of responsible attitude, which yes. is what we've so badly messed up. I we, think. we have. We, are really we have really badly messed we, up. We I haven't we, left
1: a great legacy yeah. for the future,
0: so yeah. it needs to change. Yeah. So, speaking about legacy, so as you know, um, as a huge thank you for your time and um, sharing sharing your kind of life with us um, I'd like to make you one of these charms um, oh as my a thank goodness. you wow and whilst you think about that yes. um, I mean I think I know <laughs> what the answer is going to be but um, you know in, in, oh my God. If, if someone were to find this entire drawing or bracelet when you're no longer around yes, what's, um, what do you want them to, to think about you um Wow. I hope it hasn't been too, <laughs> too no, emotional. It was, it's
1: sort of extraordinary when you look at your life like this and the things that are sort of important and what they represent to you. It's um, it, was a, it was an amazing thing to actually have to sort of think about and boil down into seven moments yeah. because there are so many things in our lives that are so relevant and important and... Uh, actually thank you for the opportunity of of being able to think about the things that are so relevant in my life and to have to sort of literally bring them to to seven seven moments i guess um was a wonderful thing to do and i'm well you've done you've done it brilliantly and And this um, is beautiful so thank you that's a great pleasure I can only have one. I can choose. No, yeah. no. no you, can, you, can, I, you can. I'm. I'm going to make you one. You can, no, have, gonna, you can have as many I can as you have like. As many as I like. Yes, <laughs> I, I can make you one. I, I, I mean, I would love. They're also incredibly beautiful, so incredibly beautiful, and represent everything that we talked about and discussed. But I guess as a legacy,
0: it would have to be be kind. Was that what you thought? I thought I thought that would might be it. But I um, I just also hope that anyone listening to this is is taking that on board because it's such a simple and yet easy thing to do for other people. Um, anyway, I'll be thrilled and honoured to make you this job Thank you so much Um, Not at all, thank you Thank you so much for listening to My Life in Seven Charms with me, Anoushka Dukas If you would like to see all of the charms and illustrations that I've made for my guests please go to my website anoushka.com If you have enjoyed this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could rate and review and subscribe and also share with your friends. It would be such a help. Thank you so much to my producer, Robin at Fairly Media. See you soon.